those of you who are staying, turning your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, uh, I was reminded just a few seconds, a few minutes ago, uh, that we have in our presence this morning, are y'all paying attention? We have a special guest in our presence this morning, well, she's not a guest, she's a church member, uh, who is the nurse of the year this year, and that's Miss Heather May. Where, where is she? There she is. Look at that. There she is. The nurse of the year. What does it feel like to be married to the nurse of the year? Every day. You know, it's, it's comforting to know in y'all's family, if something happens to Heather, I mean, you're right there to take care of her. If something happens to you, you, you're, there, you know, you're there to take care of him. If something happens to Anderson... Do y'all both panic or y'all just right there? He's better than I am. He's better. Is he? Okay. Y years ago, and this has nothing to do with the message, years ago, Amy was a, she was a certified, she was a lifeguard at the public school, I mean public uh, pools all over the city of Rock Hill. Now fast forward, Amy and I got married and we're at the lake, Lake Wiley, in front of the dam swimming with our children. I'm fishing. And between me and Amy, the, Alex and Kyle are swimming, and, and Alex goes under, and he doesn't come back up. And I'm looking, and she's, she's froze. She fro I had to run and grab the boy up out of the water. I had to push the lifeguard down to get <laughs> to the boy. He would have died that day. I saved him, and he doesn't even appreciate that, y'all. <laughs> Turn again in your Bibles to the book, book of 2 Corinthians. Last week, as, as we looked at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 through 11, we came to realize that God started creating us, something in us, on our day of salvation. We're, we haven't made it yet. Some of y'all think that y'all have made it, but you have not made it yet. God started creating something in you on your day of salvation. That when Jesus saved us, he did not just save us to save us. He saved us that we might make a difference in this cold, dark world for him. Amen? That's why he saved you. Not to sit in the air condition and soak up all the sunshine and sing Kumbaya. He saved you to make a difference in this dark world. We realize that God was creating us to, to bring glory to, to not us, but to glorify the name of God, to make his name known throughout the entire earth. We saw that God desired for us to know that, that we have a limited time here, that this is not our home, and that what, what, what he was giving us was desperately needed, not only by the world, but we needed it. We were told that, that we needed to, to be clear-headed. Clear-headed. We needed to be disciplined for prayer. We needed to keep our love for one another at full strength. And we needed to be hospitable towards one another. And this was the hard part without complaining. We have a problem with that, don't we? And we were told that we had a very, each of us had a very specific gift. And that gift was to be used to bring glory to God. We came last week to understand that, that we need to feel needed and wanted. We need as humans and Christians to feel love of others because of what God is creating in us, and we should be observant, looking for the opportunity to glorify God by serving Him, by loving other people. I know it's hard to look around at some people and, and understand that God created them to be an object of love. But we were. 
If you are a child of God, God created you to be an object of love, to love other people and to be loved. We need that, do we not? Today, I want us to revisit uh, the day that God started creating new life in us, the day of our salvation. Now, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we're just going to look at verse 1 and 2. And Paul writes this, he says, working together with him. Now, I have to admit here, I'll admit it again here in a few minutes. When I read just that one sentence, I had to just kind of sit back in my desk because that's a profound statement. That's something that's, I mean, it's hard for us to grasp and understand. But Paul writes, working together with him. We also appeal to you, don't receive God's grace in vain. Don't. He says, in an acceptable time, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. Look now. Now is the acceptable time. Look, now is the day of salvation. Let's pray. Our Father, again, we come to you asking forgiveness of our sins. And Lord, we pray right now that you would bless the reading of your word, not because of who read it, Lord, but because it is your word and it is a blessing unto us. God, I pray that you would settle us. You just, just help us, Lord, to open our eyes and concentrate on what we've just seen, open our ears and concentrate on what we've just heard, and open our hearts to be receptive to the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit wants to speak wisdom and wisely unto us this morning. Be with us right now, Lord. In Jesus' name I do pray, and all God's children said, amen. amen. This, this morning, I, I want to confess that this message went in a totally different way than one I anticipated. It really did. As a matter of fact, if you, if you look at my notes, I, I initially had this, this uh, sermon titled Something Different. And then I had to scratch it out and title it Something Different. The title of this message is, Has Your Time Come? Has your time come? Because when I started off, I thought, okay, God, this is the road that you're taking me down. And he says, you know, <clears throat> let's take you out of the equation and let's put me back in the equation because we're not going down that road. We're going to go down this road over here. And about halfway through, I had to just, you know, sit back at my desk and say, okay, God, you know, you, you take the reins. You show me what you want me to do. And this is what we got this morning. So don't think, you know, pastor has, has you know, sat down and written, no, this is, this is God. Amen. And I don't know if you came to hear a word from God or you came to hear a word from me, but my words are useless and his words are all glory. So I want to ask you a weird question. Are y'all ready? Do you remember the day that you were born? The day that you were born. Now, I know that I was born on May 3rd, 1970. I was born on the godfather of souls birthday, James Brown. Yes, sir. 1970. 
but I, I do not know anything about my birth. I don't remember anything, hearing anything, smelling anything, seeing anything. I, I know that day before uh, the day the, before my birth was the day of the Kent State Massacre. It, it took place, and some of y'all remember the Kent State Massacre, Brother Frank. I'm sure you do. The, the, the day May second. Now, I was told by my mother that I was born on a rainy Sunday morning, that, that when she started to go into labor, she called her father, who was in Gulfport, Mississippi, my grandfather. He was there at a convention. I'm not going to tell you what kind of convention. We'll talk about that some other time. But, but when he heard I was coming on that day, he drove straight through all the way back across the country to Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, Why? Why did he do that? Well, because I was born on my grandfather's birthday, May 3rd. Now, I was probably, he was probably not as special to me as he should have been, but I was always special to him because I was born on his birthday. Now, the day of my birth, all I know is what I was told and nothing more, just like you. Now, I asked my mom years after I was born, uh, why, why did you name me Kyle? I mean, I, I don't even like, I don't like that name. Now, we, we have family in the Gulfport, Mississippi area. And, and there was a, a cousin, a second or a third cousin that my mother was just, she loved. They were very close growing up. And his name was Slick Kyle. And I was like, why didn't you just name me Slick? But she took the last name instead, so that's, that's where my name came from. Now, as y'all know, in that same area, there is a Kyle family, uh, Chris Kyle. So I wonder if I'm related to, you know, old Chris Kyle. I, I don't know. I mean, we, we share a lot of the same attributes. I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. Church, I don't know a lot about that day I was born. I don't. Just like you. You know that you were born, Right? You're breathing now. You were born. But you don't remember much about that day. Now, let me tell you about another day. I do remember the day of my salvation. Do you remember the day of your salvation? I remember it vividly. I was conned, y'all. I was conned. I was what? And I was conned. I, I was in, hold on. I was invited to go on a youth ski trip in the mountains of North Carolina. Well, I love to ski. I'm semi-professional, just like a cotton a triangle player. I'm a semi-professional snow skier. At one time, I was. Y'all believe that, right? I just didn't compete. So I was invited to go. I went, and the whole time, these people were praying, these youth people were praying. I was, I was 18 or 19. They were I was 19. They were praying that God would get a hold of my heart. During, during the time there, we went skiing a couple times. We skied at night. I loved it. Any of y'all ever ski at night? Man, that's, that's the greatest. There's nobody out there. But uh, the next morning, they were fixing spaghetti, and they didn't have something they needed to go to the store to get. And they invited me to ride along with them. Well, you know what they talked about the whole time they were riding to the store? They talked about Jesus. They talked about how Jesus had made a difference in their life and, and what Jesus was doing. And, and I just sat there and listened. 
And then we pulled back to the, the, the mountain house, and Amy's uncle looked at me and said, are you a Christian? I said, no, nah, no. Nah. I mean, I, I didn't go to church. My parents didn't go to church. As a matter of fact, they, they tried to, to make me as worldly as they possibly could growing up. But at this time, I mean, I, I was listening to what they were saying, and he said, if you were to die today, where do you, would, where, where do you think you would go according to Scripture? And I said, well, according to Scripture, I'd probably go to hell. He says, do you want to accept Christ today? Do you want to accept Christ today? Fast forward, I accepted Christ in the front seat of a Toyota Corolla in the mountains of North Carolina in front of a mountain house that day. I remember the day of my salvation. Now, was, it, was life perfect after that? Oh, no, 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 no. It was not perfect. But what we talked about last week, God started creating in me. He, he started a work that is still in progress today, today making me better and more like him. Do you remember your day of salvation? Church, again, I, I recall what people have told me about the day of my birth, and I can recall vividly the day that I prayed to accept Jesus as my personal Savior. But what was going on between those two dates? Between the day of my birth, May 3rd, 1970, and the day of my salvation, January the 18th, of 1989, what was going on but with me and my in, in, in this world and spiritually, what was going on between this gap in time? Y'all ever thought about that? What in the world was going on during that period of time? Church, I was living what I thought was my best life, and, and there was there there were others who were praying for me while I thought I was living my best life. I, I, Y'all know, I lived on Lake Wiley. It was, it was the greatest experience a, a child could have. I mean, it was loaded with teenagers and single girls. The, I think the population was, at that time, it was, it was like 70, 30 girls to guys. I mean, we were living in paradise, y'all. Really. I thought I was living my best life. But at that same time, there were people who were praying for me especially when I started dating her. Her granddaddy was my, my, my preacher. And her grandmother was the preacher's wife. And listen, I, I'm going to tell you, I'll never, forget, I'll never in my life forget the first time I was invited to eat after church with them. And I met her grandfather. They set me right beside him at dinner, the first dinner. And I'm going to tell you all something. He was not impressed with me. He was not. And as I look back on it, I wouldn't have been impressed with me either. But he wasn't impressed with me at all. Now, what we see are the conditions, church, for the most perfect storm taking place. I am lost, living in sin, loving life, and we've got people praying for me. They are calling out my name unto the holiest God, the only God of this universe. 
do you see? I mean, it's, it's like a perfect storm brewing at this time. When a person who is lost finally collides with Jesus, who has heard your name called out to him countless times, understand a decision, a real decision will be made to either accept him or deny him. And this isn't in my notes, but I've got to say this. Please understand that the Holy Spirit of God is obligated to only visit you one time in your life. Think about that. Your door is shut and the king of the universe comes and knocks on the door of your heart. And you think you can put it off and say, I'll wait till next time. You can't listen. He is only obligated to come to you one time in your life. One time. When a person who was lost finally collides with Jesus, who has heard your name called unto him countless times, a real decision, church, is about to be made. So what do we see in our scripture? What is it that we see in our scripture this morning? We first see Paul affirming a working, serving relationship between those who know Jesus and desiring salvation for the lost world. Paul writes, he says, working together with him. Working together with him. Y'all, I'm working with Jesus. Working together with him. How in the world do we work together with Jesus, the Savior of the, of the universe? How is it that we work together with him? Well, the easy answer is that we lay our lives before him and follow his will for our lives as he directs. That's the easy answer. That's the, the preacher answer, isn't it? It really is. But there, there's a greater answer that we as Christians need to understand here this morning. How do we work together with Jesus? As we learned last week, we have a love and a concern for those who Jesus loves. We are to have a love and a concern for those who Jesus loves. We all admit to that? I mean, that's what Scripture teaches. Amen? We are in one accord with him when our desires line up with the desires of Jesus. So his desires and our desires should not be two. They should be the same, right? Okay, hold on. What is his greatest desire then? What is Jesus' greatest desire? What, it's the same desire that ours should be. What is it that his desire is the greatest in the world? Here it is, that the lost would know him. If we are in line with Jesus and Jesus is in line with us, our desire should be his desire and his desire should be our desire. And church, I just don't see it in the church today. I don't see a, a desire to win the lost. I don't. So how can we say that we are working with him? I don't know. How can we work with him? Here we go. By lifting those names to him in prayer and living out our Christian life for those who need to see it. 
for them to see a difference and a change. Now, please know this. Please know this. Somebody prayed for you. Somebody prayed for you. And their prayers were heard. Listen, somebody invited you to church and you came. That's amazing, isn't it? But it gets better. Listen, somebody asked you to trust in Jesus, and guess what? You did. You did. That is us as believers working together with Him. That is us as believers working together with Him. Now let's go back here for a second. Look at chapter 6 in 2 Corinthians, verse 1. What is the very first word? Working. And herein lies the problem. Gary, this is the problem. And Paul kind of addresses it, but he doesn't address it thoroughly enough. So he brought me here this morning to address it with you. Here's the problem. That word working, we don't like it. We don't like it. If I took a poll here this morning, I guarantee you I know before I even ask the question what the answer is going to be. How many of y'all this morning are really excited? You just can't. You've been working yourself up all weekend long, enjoying yourself as much. You cannot wait until that alarm clock goes off at 545 tomorrow morning so you can get up. I mean, you're, you're not going to be sleepy. You're going to be wide-eyed, bushy-tailed. You don't need coffee unless it's to, to rinse your hands with in the morning you just cannot wait you cannot wait cannot wait to see your boss your workmates you cannot get to work fast enough to punch your time clock anybody <laughs> Steve I imagine if we had a, 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 a worship service this morning to get ourselves prepared for work nobody's gonna show up do, do you understand here that it says working together with him that first word is the problem we have, working. We don't like to work. We like to enjoy the benefits of our salvation, but we, we, don't want, we don't like to work. When you work, understand, when you go to work, guess what happens from time to time? You sweat. Amy didn't have air conditioning in her room for the first week of school. Some of those teachers just got air conditioned last week. That's fun, isn't it? Not only that, listen, the majority of my life, I've been a blue-collar worker. When, when I went to work, I knew that sooner or later I was going to bang my hands. I was going to get hurt somehow. I mean, it was just the, 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 the workload. I'll never forget. I mean, I had to handset a 30-class-6 pole in a back alley and threw my back out. I went home that day, and my supervisor called and says, you going to be back at work tomorrow? They don't care. And that's why we don't like work. But understand something. Working for a paycheck and working for eternity is different. I mean, we, we have to work to sustain ourselves and to feed ourselves. I'm not advocating this morning. Y'all ought to all go to work tomorrow and quit your jobs and just come to church. And we'll, we'll live communally like they did in the, the, the New Testament. We'll pull our funds together. And we'll just live. We'll sell all our house. We'll just live at the church. 
I'm not suggesting that because we don't have a shower here. We, we got one big bathtub, and that's it. <laughs> now, I heard stories about my, my dad growing up, the seven brothers and sisters, and they shared the same bath water. I don't, I'm, just not that, I'm not good with that. Not good with that. But church, we need to understand the difference between working on this earth to sustain ourselves and working for eternity. Because I understand, listen to me, I've said this before, but I want to say it again. If, if, if you showed up the church in service to God the way you show up to work, we'd be in good shape. But if you showed up to work the way you serve God and through the church, you'd be fired tomorrow. Brother Kyle, listen, you know, I, I understand what you're saying, but, but you, don't, you don't have to see my service. I serve God every single day. I don't have to see your service, but at some point I ought to be able to see your service. Right? Working together with him. Working for Jesus is tough. It's hard. It's sad. But it's worthwhile. This past week, I met a family. A young family. The, the man is in his early 30s. His wife is similar age. They have two beautiful little girls. They came to America as refugees from Afghanistan. Amy and I are what's called their first families. We interact with them. We talk to them. We see if there's any need. We, we love on them. We pray for them. Now, when I say those words, Afghanis and refugees, that ruffles a lot of our feathers. But I want you to understand something about this person. You never met this person but this person, this man, did something tremendous for our country. Do y'all remember a few months back when you saw the, the chaos that was taking place at the airport in Afghanistan? Do y'all remember seeing those videos where the people were just flooding the gates, trying to get in? The, the Taliban was on the outside trying to prevent them from coming in. They were climbing over the fence. They were hanging on to airplanes, trying the, the wheels as they were taking off, and they were dropping from the skies. Y'all remember that? This man who is now in the United States with his wife and children was the man who disrupted the communication between the Taliban that day so those flights could get off. I don't understand anything that he's going through. But my job as I work together with Jesus is to love him. I don't agree with, I don't agree with his, his religion. But I'm to love him. I'm to love him. This past week, Thursday, there was a knock on the door when they were finishing up the playground, and I thought, okay, well, it's the guys working on the playground. And it wasn't the guys working on the playground at all. It was a lady in our community, 
lives in our community, standing outside the door with tears rolling down her face. And she said, can I talk to you? And I, I, I realized who it was. And Steve, it was either you or Bill and me spoke with this lady, I guess about two or three months ago. She said, my daughter just delivered prematurely in Atlanta. And she's in a coma on life support. And the baby is in prenatal ICU. The doctors don't believe my daughter's going to make it. And I'm just sitting there, what, what in the world? And she said, I've been to three different churches seeing if I could get gas money to get to Atlanta. And nobody will help me. Church, working with Jesus is hard at times. It's tough. It, it costs you money. But it's worth it. It's worth it. A few weeks ago, I'm sitting in my office, and we've got one of those doorbell ringers. And they're, they're both great and functional, and they also drive you absolutely nuts. Because when somebody drives by, and if it's a real windy day and that American flag is just flapping, that doorbell will you know, be activated by the, the motion, and it's like, doom, 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 doom. Doom, doom, doom. And Becky doesn't know it, but sometimes I unplug it. I do. You don't know whether there's actually somebody out there unless they push the button. I don't know why people don't knock on doors anymore. But I'm sitting in my office, and it goes off. And it goes off again. And it goes off again, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go check just to see if somebody's out there. Well, there, there is somebody out there. there. There's a grandmother sitting out there, and she's with her her granddaughter, beautiful little girl. And I'm looking at her was like looking at my, my oldest granddaughter, Winnie Kate, same age, same age. And, and I'm talking to him and I said, look, you know, I, I, I would love, we have the greatest children's ministry in the world here. It's not because of us, it's just a great children's ministry. It's called Juan and it's free and you can bring her on Wednesday night. And, and the, the grandmother's eyes just kind of filled up with tears and she said her parents won't let her come. Her parents, won't, they, don't, they don't go to church, and they, they, they won't let her come. I said, well, let's pray about it. You, know, you, you can come up here, and, and just, you know, when I'm here, you can, I'll open the gate, and y'all can play on the, the swing set, the new swing set that's being built, and just, you know, just time together. And she said, will you pray for my, my daughter and son-in-law? I said, absolutely. What are you saying, Brother Kyle? Ministry is hard. Ministry is tough. Ministry will rip your guts out. It is working with him. And understand, listen, I, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm called to, to, to minister to those who come to, to the church. I'm not complaining whatsoever at all. I promise I'm not complaining. But understand this. If you're saved by the grace of God, you are in what's called the priesthood of all believers. And you personally, you, you, you are called to work with him. You are called to work with him. It's not just the preacher's job. 
And it's not a job that you can take off. It is a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week, you're ministering for him because you never know when Jesus is going to show up and ask you to do something for him. What are you going to say? No. But too often times we don't because we don't make ourselves available. We don't submit ourselves to him. But there's something else that I want you to see in verse 1. Paul writes, don't receive God's grace in vain. Do not receive God's grace in vain. Does that remind you of, of, of anything else? Do not take the Lord God's name in vain. Now Paul is he's, he's kicking it up a notch. He says, do not take God's grace in vain. Well, what does this mean? John Phillips says, Paul is appealing to his readers in general not to reject the so great salvation God has provided, the infinite grace and unmerited favor of God which made his son sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God to him. Paul pleaded with the people, do not let it all be in vain. Don't let it be in vain. Believers are, are to be collaborators with him in bringing the good news to men just as he himself was a co-laborer with God in the same end. Think with me, church. The God of all the universe came down in human form. He lived on this earth for 33 years, not as a king that he deserved to be, but as a peasant. He didn't have anything. He lived that way for a reason. He preached, he taught, he, he performed unbelievable miracles. He was spit on, bled, and died on Calvary's cross. He was raised on the third day. He sits on the right hand of God today, making a way for us, intervening for us. And listen, when we are not doing what he called us to do, we are living in, that, in the way that Paul talks about this morning. We are taking his grace in vain. What this means is we can't live the way we want to. Well, Brother Kyle, are you saying we can't enjoy life? I'm not saying that at all. But while you're enjoying life, you are to serve God. Do not take that grace in vain. What Phillips just explained has a twofold meaning. Number one, we are not to take in vain the grace that has been given to us. We are not to take in vain the grace that was given to us. What does that mean? When you were saved, when you were saved on the day that you were asked to remember a few minutes ago, and God started creating something new in you, if you take it in vain, what God is creating you, you're doing nothing with it. You're doing nothing with it. Let me ask you, and don't answer, you answer. When was the last time you were working with Jesus, working with him? Because you can answer whether you're taking that grace in vain right now or not. 
When was the last time you felt led to work with him? The Holy Spirit should be leading you how often? Daily. Daily. Really and truly, we as Christians, we, we, ought, we, ought to re, we ought to be upset when we don't feel the presence of God and God's leading in our lives. God, have I done something wrong? I, I mean, I, you didn't ask me to do anything for you today. There, there wasn't anybody set in front of me, Lord, that I, I, could, I, I could work for you with. That I could be the salt and the light that you called me to be. That I might be that beacon of hope that you create and you're continuing to create in me. God, God, did I do something wrong? Why, why didn't you use me? Why aren't you using me? Lord, we, listen, we as Christians should want to be <coughs> seen as that object of love every single day. To be what he created us to be. Too many of us are just, we're content on who we are. Are you content in who you are? I, I'm not. I'm not satisfied with who I am. The second thing that, that Phillips wants us to see is this. Because of that grace combined with our salvation, we are not to take in vain what we have been commissioned to do for Jesus. What, what have we been commissioned to do, Brother Kyle? I don't remember. Scripture tells us that we are commissioned to go. And we are to tell. We are to tell the world unashamed, unashamedly who Jesus is and what Jesus has done in our lives. We're called. We're commissioned. That's not a Baptist preacher calling. That is a salvation calling in your life. Well, well Brother Kyle, I'm just, I, I don't like to talk to people. That is the work that Jesus is doing in you. And if you'll allow him to work, he will give you that desire to tell others. As we consider our scripture this morning, after we looked at this first part, we see Paul takes a step back and shows us what has been going on behind the scenes prior to our salvation. Paul's going to answer this. The question that I asked a few minutes ago, what is taking place in our lives from the date of our birth to the date of our salvation? That Paul, Paul's getting ready to answer this in verse 2. Look at verse 2. <clears throat> he says this, In an acceptable time, in an acceptable, that, is that your time? Mitchell, is that your time? Kim, is it your time? We get upset when things don't happen in our time frame, don't we? We do. I'm guilty. But Paul says this. He says, in an acceptable time, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. Look. Look. What he's saying here is open your eyes. Look. Now, now is the acceptable time. Look, now is the day of salvation. What we see here is that we might not know when our day of salvation was going to be. I didn't. But Jesus did. Gary, I didn't know when I was going to get saved. Then people set me up. Who said that? <laughs> but Jesus knew. Listen, do you understand that Paul just quoted Isaiah 49, verse 8? 
all the way back to the Old Testament showing the world that God in His infinite wisdom, not our infinite wisdom, but in His infinite wisdom through His Son, Jesus Christ, knows our day of salvation. For some reason, when I came to this place in our Scripture, I kept thinking about Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well. On that day, there were a lot of things that shouldn't have happened that happened. On that day, Jesus was left alone with this woman at the well. And I wouldn't suggest this with anybody but Jesus. Do you hear me? Uh, as a matter of fact, according to Jewish tradition, this wasn't to happen. A Jewish man, especially a, 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 a priest, was not to be left alone with a woman, especially this type of woman. Y'all with me? And as they and talked to each other, and Jesus said, you know, hey, listen, bring me some water. Why are you asking me? A Jewish man, that's, that's, you know, you're not even supposed to be asking me that. And he said, woman, if you understood the water concept of what I'm asking of you, I'm offering you water that you will never thirst again. She didn't know that that day was going to be her day of salvation. It was a very unusual day for her. But understand this, what took place after her salvation? What did she do? What did she do? Did, did she just sit by the well and, and bask in the glory and just sip cold water all day? Is that what she did? No, 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 no. She went and told. She went and told. She had to tell. She had to tell others. And for the life of me, for the life of me, I don't understand that the same Jesus saved you and you do not feel compelled to tell anybody. Listen to me. That does not line up with Scripture. We, see, we, when we accept Jesus, we think we're just so wonderful and we set ourselves on a pedestal and do nothing. We take the grace of God in vain. But this woman, who could have been called a harlot for, for I mean, listen, she, Jesus, she said, listen, oh, he said, go get your husband. And she said, I've been married five times and, and the man I'm with now is not my husband. Every Christian person in this room would look down with her in scorn. What, what type of woman is Jesus talking to? The type that he knew when she responded to his call of salvation would do scripturally what she should do. She got up and told. She couldn't contain it. She had to tell it. Church, that was her day of salvation. Now, please hear me. I'm just about done. I did not know when my day of salvation was going to be. But I know when it was today. Today, I know when my day of salvation was. I, I didn't back, you know, I didn't have a clue before I got saved when it was going to be. But I do today. I do not know when your day of salvation 
will be. But I know that God loves you so much that you will have a day in which Jesus will offer himself to you in his acceptable time, in his acceptable time. And when that day comes, I beg you, I beg you not to take his love and mercy for granted. We do not deserve the love, the Lord of all the heavens and the earth when he comes to us and calls him to himself. But he does. We don't deserve that. Stan, we don't deserve that. I am living proof of the mercy of God. My question to you is this, your day of salvation. Is this your day of salvation? Do you know my Jesus? You're not here for just some unknown reason. You came here for a reason. You're watching online for a reason. Is this the day of your salvation? And if it is, I want to invite you to come during this time of invitation here in a second. Come down and listen. Don't take me for it. I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm not going to give you my opinion because God could care less what my opinion is. Amen? I want to show you what the Word of God says each person much. What I had to do to accept Jesus to have a place in heaven for all eternity. Is today the day of your salvation? Do you know my Jesus? Let's all stand, heads bowed and eyes closed. <clears throat> Father in heaven, Lord, we get, dedicate this time to you, this time of invitation, and we pray that your Holy Spirit would move amongst us, showing each person in this, this sanctuary, Lord, the condition, the true condition of our, our hearts. Lord, and if there be one here this morning who does not know you as their personal Savior, let today be the day of their salvation, Lord. In Jesus' name I do pray, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, do you need to come? As the music plays, will you come?